Hi, friends. Happy Easter to you all. Glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Jose. We're going to continue. We're going to hear another song here in a minute. But uh, thrilled that you're here on Easter morning. We're going to read one of the four accounts of what happened on the resurrection morning. We're going to read from Matthew. If you have a Bible or you have a Bible on your phone, you want to turn there. If not, we would love to put one in your hands. And you can keep it if you don't own one. So would you be kind enough just to slip up your hand? And we have some people at the back that are willing to get one to you. Just keep your hand up. They're going to get it to you. Um, as they're doing that, just to let you know, at the end of our gathering, we're going to uh, see people experience baptism. And it's beautiful on the resurrection morning for someone to be baptized. Why? Because it's an out, uh, external picture of what God is doing in the life of those who follow him. So if you're new to this, going into the water reminds us that Jesus' death has now become our rescue. And because he went down and paid for our sin in full, we can say no to the old way of living and we can live in his new way. And then they come up out of the water, which is a reminder, they've been washed, they've been made new. Jesus rose again and so now they've, they've chosen to live as his followers and go his way. And so what we're gonna experience at the end, we're gonna read uh, right now. And then I want you to hear a song. Sometimes songs uh, give a lot of thought and condense it into just a few words and give it meaning. So I heard this song that we're gonna hear about a month ago and I immediately thought, wow, we need, to, we need to hear this and play this on Easter because with very short lyrics, it really tells us the whole story of Jesus. So we're going to listen to that in a minute. But let's just read Matthew 28, can we? Uh, starting in verse 1, this is what happened. It says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, don't be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then quickly go and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see him. We're going to think about what happened here and what that means for us. But first, let's just listen. And the words will be on the screen. It may be new to you. And think about what Jesus did through this song.
I, I wanted you to hear that song, and I hope it's uh, something that you'll download. It's by a group called Mosaic uh, MSC. It's a church out of California. And when I was thinking about Easter and the love of God, uh, I was drawn to it because sometimes, let's be honest, a song can stir us in ways that a long lecture can't. You know, it's probably happened to most of us along the way. You, you, you hear something and it resonates with your experience. It's why we read poetry. It's why we read books. It's why we listen to music because we want to see what's going on in our soul connect with something that's, that's greater. And uh, that, that song just did it for me. If it didn't for, do it for you, um, sorry. <laughs> but like, like, just thinking about the lyrics. And so, I don't know, hopefully that's a start. I mean, like for me, uh, lyrics and words, you're the meaning you're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration. Uh, you bring feeling to my life. You're the inspiration, you know. I want to have you near me. I want to have you hear me saying, no one needs you more than I need you. No one is a product of the 80s here, obviously. <laughs> Those lyrics, that may, may not mean anything to you. You're like, wow, you just made that up. No. It was a hit song when my wife and I were dating and it ended up being the song that we danced to when we got married. So now it's elevated music, no, no joke. It's by a group called Chicago. But whenever I hear it, whenever I, whenever I hear it, whenever like the tune just comes on, I'm transported to a place. Because sometimes like these short poetic words can capture what we're, what we're feeling, right? And so uh, we're, we're thinking about Easter and that how, how hope is rising. I want to put up some of the lyrics that we just heard again. Now with that kind of lens, Jesus, light of heaven, lover of the lost. I mean, isn't, isn't that like the story of, of, of Jesus? Jesus, perfect love, you meet us where we are. You came to us to show the love of God. You came to us no matter what the cost. I mean, this is the essence of Holy Week and Easter weekend and on Friday remembering the cost that Jesus paid for our good and how Jesus rose again to rescue and to save. So, so we read from Matthew, okay? And if you took the time to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all end with this event. Jesus dies and rises again. And the details aren't precise. They all are telling it from a different angle for a different reason, but the theme is the same. Things change when we really encounter Jesus. I mean, the, the narrative, the biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all pushing us to the same thing. That things change when we really encounter Jesus. And so there's one person that shows up, other than Jesus, obviously. One person that shows up in all four accounts. You may not have thought about it. All the writers point towards one person. Her name is Mary Magdalene. And that's not like her last name. It's Mary from the town of Magdala, which was in a region called Galilee that was Jesus' favorite spot. So there's this Mary, just like, you know, Joe from Hillsborough or whatever. There's this, there's this place and there's this person. And, and Mary had an encounter. And, and Matthew tells us there was Mary from Magdala or Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary. How do you like to be the other Mary? I mean, like, for all of history. You know, you ever feel like you're just number two and then so like, oh, the other one. So Mary Magdalene is there. And I, I you think, well, why... Why point, why does everyone point that thing out? I think that Luke, who tells us the beginning of her journey, gives us the reason why she's there. Luke 8, write it down or just look on the screen. Math, uh, Luke 8, 
verses 1 through 3. Look at what happens here. Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve, those are the apostles, were with him, and also, and catch this phrase, some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. And that gives an example. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. How's that for an Easter story? So, so demons, so wait a minute. Mary is being attacked by evil. Mary is being influenced by something that's just off. And so much so, the writer tells us seven. In other words, she's in a really dark place when she meets Jesus. Now, we don't get any more detail. Other than that, Jesus really set her free. And then there's some other women who also had encountered Jesus. And what do they do? They meet him. He does something. And then they start to follow him. If you keep reading, you find out that some of them had, had enough money. They actually supported Jesus. And his followers, as they went from place to place, they paid for food and they paid for a place to stay. And they took care. Because they had been changed by this person. It affected their life. It wasn't a holiday. It wasn't an occasion. Jesus brought light to their really dark situations. And so those who had physical issues were set free. And isn't that the story? If you've ever read the narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you realize that God doesn't wait. God doesn't wait for us to find them. Some are saying like, well, you know, I, I'm searching, but I'm, I'm looking and I don't know where God is. If you read them carefully and if you see that Jesus is sent from the Father to show us his heart, you'll realize God's the one looking for you. God's the one looking for me. And as a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't wait anywhere and expect people to come to him. Jesus goes from town to village. He goes to the spot where nobody goes and he's looking for people who are in a dark place, whose lives are not all together, who need a touch from God and are hungry. And he finds them there and changes them. And here's what happens. When they are changed, they want to continue. They want to know more. They're hungry. And I hope that's you. This is just tip of the iceberg of what Jesus does. You read the Bible you read the narratives. Jesus finds a man who's been blind his entire life, 40 years. He's an adult. And in a moment, Jesus gives sight to his eyes. And everyone is in shock. The blind man can now see. There's a man who, who couldn't walk. His legs are paralyzed. Multiple people, they couldn't walk. And the doctors can't do anything. And Jesus comes by and says, get up, pick up your mat. You're free. And, and they walk. A lady she has an incurable blood disorder, and she spent all of her money on doctors. They can't help. And, and Jesus is just walking by and says, stop, someone touched me. And then his entourage, because Jesus had one too, his entourage of people are like, the crowds are pressing you. Like, what do you mean who touched you? Everyone's touching you. It's like, no, no, God's power came from me. And, and the lady confesses and says, it, it, it was me. And she just touched his jacket and in a moment, what no one can fix is made whole. There's a guy who's so disturbed that they chain him in a place where few people go, and that's in the graveyard. He is so mad out of his mind that they chain him there because they're afraid of what he's going to do. Why? He's self-inflicting harm. And he breaks the chains, and people avoid him, and he's running throughout this, this place of death, and Jesus finds him there. And in a short encounter, he is sitting, listening 
in the right frame of mind. Whatever was going on in his mind and his soul, and, and people don't know what to do with this. Jesus cures children. One child is so disturbed by some evil power that they throw themselves into the fire and mom and dad don't know what to do because their kid out of nowhere does things that you shouldn't do. And Jesus in a moment brings wholeness. He removes evil. He brings light. The phrase in the song, Jesus, light of heaven, is, is, is poetic, but it's real. Jesus brings light to our dark situation. Now, what you're going to find is Jesus is doing this all the time. Now, there are two groups of people, though, if you're careful and you read, two groups of people that find Jesus disappointing. And I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe your friend has just been begging you to come. Your, you know, your family's been saying, come on, it's Easter, it's Christmas. You know, like, come, come, come. And I'm glad you've come. But maybe you're a little skeptical. Maybe you've not found Jesus satisfying. That's totally cool. I hope that you'll get something. But you need to know, when you read, you find Jesus encountered the same thing. Two groups of people in the narratives that don't find Jesus satisfying. One is those who felt that they were already good enough to encounter God. There's a group of people who felt like, I'm, I'm fine. I don't, Jesus, I don't need you. I already read the Bible. I already do what God says. I don't need you. That's one group. And the second group felt like that Jesus had nothing to offer because they had enough. They were rich. They were wealthy. Now, I'd like to say that was just isolated to Jesus, but I, I see the same thing all the time. There are people today who just feel like, well, I'm good enough. Like, I'm religious. I'm this. I'm that. And this is what I do. And this is what I give. And this is how, how I act. And I'm, at the end of the day, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to be okay. And if that's our mindset, Jesus has little to offer. Because he actually came people to, to meet, visit people who saw life as it really is. And although we're, we're good in some spots, we just choose to avoid the other sides of us that we so often portray to other people. There is evil in all of us. There is brokenness in all of us. And so Jesus says to the people who feel like they're good enough, he says to those religious leaders that I have nothing to say. Because Jesus came to find people that were honest and open and said, yeah, I'm doing some good, but I'm not good enough. There's another group, those who are rich. And this is why I think the message of Jesus is hard for us here in the U.S. I don't know your financial situation, but it's hard when you can put food on the table and you can pay your bills and you have money in the bank and a 401k and you're doing okay, you take nice vacations and you drive nice cars. It is, it is conceivable to go throughout life and say, what do I need Jesus for? Maybe, hey, look, if you're poor and broke, maybe you need religion. I don't need it because I can take care of myself. Uh, there was a guy who comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to inherit life? Like eternal, real, full life. And Jesus says to him, you know the commands, you know the Bible, you know God's way. And he says, I've done it all. Wow. The guy was wealthy. And Jesus says, well, actually, there's one thing you're missing. Why don't you go sell your possessions, give it away to the poor, and follow me. And Jesus was able to peer into his soul what was keeping him from encountering the living God was his stuff. It's not that God's saying, everyone sell your stuff. But he was saying to him, your riches, your wealth is your confidence. Why don't you trust God by following me? And so the Bible says he went away sad, which is what a lot of people do. They're, they're willing to entertain Jesus until they realize, well, actually, I would rather trust in what I have than this God that I cannot see. And he went away sad, and he did not 
follow Jesus, two groups that find Jesus dissatisfying or unsatisfying. If you believe that you're good enough, then the good news of Jesus isn't going to make sense. If you believe that life is about what you have and you have enough, then you've missed a big part of reality. Can I just say it that way? That we were created in the image and likeness of God and we were made for him to know him. Now, Mary, here's what we do know. Mary was in the group who recognized her need for a touch of Jesus. And what you see is right where she's at in her darkness, Jesus finds her, Jesus liberates her. And so who's there at the cross? If you read the narratives, you're going to find most people abandoned Jesus. Even most of the disciples ran away. And they didn't know, they didn't, this didn't make sense to them. Who's there when Jesus is crucified and tortured? Mary Magdalene, the writers tell us. Who's there when they take Jesus down from the tree and put him into to the tomb? Who's there all the way to the end? Mary Magdalene. You read and you find her name shows up in Jesus' darkest hour. Here's why. When you've really encountered Jesus, it will change everything. And so she doesn't give up when Jesus is on the cross. And she doesn't give up when Jesus is in the tomb. She doesn't give up when all hope is lost her confidence is that this man changed me and I'm holding on to him. And that is what I hope, my friend. I hope that you'll encounter some taste of that in your own life. That whatever's going on in your soul, whatever's going on deep, whatever's going on that you mask, whatever's going on that you medicate, whatever's going on that you're afraid to talk about, that you will find God's love reaching out into that place. And when that place is touched by the light of God and the love of God, that you will find him attractive and you'll become one of his followers. Who is there Sunday morning? We read it. Uh, the disciples aren't. The 12 aren't. They're off in a room hiding. Why? They kill Jesus. Guess who's next? Them. They're hiding. But, but on Friday when Jesus is crucified and buried, Saturday is a national day of rest. It's a day culturally where people stop. So you wouldn't go to mourn. You wouldn't do work on the Sabbath day, the Saturday. But the first opportunity is in the morning light of Sunday. Who is there? Who, who are the first two people? Mary, the other Mary that we don't know about, and Mary Magdalene. And what is she doing? She's bringing spices, which makes no sense. Jesus is in a guarded tomb. Spices would, would be used to, to put on the body as it's embalmed. And, and they, they quickly did it on Friday to get him in before Passover started. So she brings these spices to a guarded tomb with a big stone as if she's going to go in. This is ridiculous. But she goes prepared to do whatever it takes to be close to this Jesus. Why? She had encountered his love. Now she's not there to, 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 to go in and just put spices on. She's there to be where he is. You see, things change when we really encounter Jesus. Now, there's a difference between knowing about him and really knowing him. And I think in her story, we see, like, the real change. There were lots of people who heard him teach, a lot of, lots of people who saw the miracles, and they're nowhere to be found. But then you find someone who's encountered him personally, and it's changed her. And when that is real, even when life takes a turn, and often it does, you will find yourself in a place drawing closer to God's love and closer to Jesus rather than living and caving in to fear. I'll give you an example of someone in our community. You never know when life's going to take a turn. There was a couple that was married a couple years ago, 
um, Levi and Michaela. They're no longer living here. They're living in Alabama. She was on staff here, and he taught our middle school and high school young people. Great couple and, and wonderful future. They moved to Alabama because he found a nursing program, so they moved there to finish school, and we hated to see them go. Things are going well, and thank God for Instagram. You can snoop on everybody, and you know. So, so I've kept in touch that way, and then see this message. Three weeks ago, Levi suddenly had pain in his eye, and it was just getting worse and worse and more intense, and then, wow, he, he was starting to see double vision, and then he couldn't even really see, and he's had three MRIs, and poked, prodded, all sorts of tests. He's in the hospital right now. And he's in excruciating, unbearable pain to the point where he cannot eat a thing. And he has a, a vein that's behind his eye that's inflamed and they can't get it to shrink. And it's putting so much pressure on his eye that he's sick. He's in writhing pain. Now, that doesn't happen often, but it can happen. And in a moment, in a few weeks, their whole life has been turned upside down. But here's the interesting thing to me. Their response is what's been intriguing. They haven't abandoned God. See, they have chosen to follow Jesus, both independently have experienced his love, his forgiveness, his power, his grace. They've seen Jesus at work in their world. So what do you do when you're facing a whole new set of, of tragedies or misunderstandings? They're calling on God and they're finding his presence in the middle of it. You see, Jesus doesn't keep us from trouble. Jesus promises to be alive and present in it. And that's what Mary finds. She's there to mourn. She's there like to, why, why, why? Her hope was in this man. And then Jesus appears alive and hope rises in her and in the disciples and now in us because of what she experienced of the life-changing power of Jesus. See, because Jesus is alive, we don't have to cave in to fear. How do you respond? Let me just ask you, how do you respond when life takes a turn? If you don't know Jesus in this intimate way, if you don't have the hope of eternal life, if you haven't encountered his presence and experienced his forgiveness, the only thing you can do is hope in hope. Cross fingers, call a friend, try hard, go to this specialist, and that all you can do is grab onto the things that you can grab onto which you and I are all aware of, sometimes work and sometimes fall way short. Or you can latch onto, like even Levi and Michaela, right now in the middle of this, their hope is in something greater because their hope is in God who made his eye and is able to bring him through. Look at the word to Mary and the other Mary. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I think that's the message of Easter. Don't be afraid. Afraid. Why? Two responses. At that tomb, you have two groups of people. You have, you have the soldiers. And the soldiers were so gripped with fear at the presence of the angel who came to announce it to them that they were shaking as if they were dead. They didn't get it. They didn't understand what God had done. And they're, they're gripped by fear. But to the ladies, the same experience is a moment of hope. Don't be afraid. That's the word of the messenger. Why? The angel said to the women, don't be afraid for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. See, the angel rolls away the stone, not so that Jesus can get out. Jesus had already risen. 
But the angel comes to remove the stone and the soldiers are scared to death because the angel wanted them to see Mary and Mary be the first two to see. And then the others, the others eventually come, if you keep reading, and them to see that he is not there. And their hope can rise up that God is now alive and with them. He's risen just as he said. So come and see the place where they lay. I love the lyrics to that song. I'll throw it up again. Jesus, light of heaven, lead us to your heart. Jesus, greatest love, you take us as we are. See, Mary doesn't have it together. They're there to mourn. They're confused like everybody else. But when you experience the good news of Jesus, no matter where you find yourself, you find that God's light and God's love, it meets you. And you don't have to, you don't have to do X, Y, and Z to encounter the love of Jesus. He's actually already looking for you. And he's already demonstrated it in the events in history that we're, remember, things really change. Things really, really change when we encounter Jesus. Not just as a theory, but personally. So then, so then the angel says, come, I want you to see it. And they're overfilled with joy, right? And, and I love the phrase, they were mixed with fear and joy. They had experienced God's presence. They saw an empty tomb and so they're kind of like freaked out, but at the same time overjoyed because, wow, God has done something. This, this messenger saying Jesus is alive, and then Jesus appears to them. And Jesus says, same phrase, don't be afraid. They had every reason to fear. The Romans had crucified Jesus. The, the Jewish religious leaders were totally against Jesus. They were the minority of all minorities. They had, they had no hope that anyone was going to believe them. Every reason to be afraid. And so the messenger, and then Jesus himself says, in the middle of your situation, you can live life not absent of fear, but fear doesn't have to rule you. And I think that when you really experience the love of God in Jesus, yes, fear is there. We don't know. There are situations that we're confused about and we, we don't see the big picture. Mary doesn't get it all. But Jesus shows up and says, don't be afraid. He's alive He's near. He's there. And, and when they get that, what do they do? They grab on. They grab on his feet. They're like, you're not going anywhere. You know. And I don't think it was light touch grip. I think it was like shackle. Like, wait a minute. If you're alive and you promised to do this for us, I, I, wherever you are is where I want to be. I'll throw up another lyric because I think it just speaks to this. Jesus, you come to us when all our strength is gone. You come to us with you. We, we overcome. We overcome. And, and so in the middle of their fear, in the middle of their mourning, in the middle of their sadness, like Jesus shows up. And what I'm saying to you is the, the, the details aren't going to be the same. This happened in history. Jesus is risen and we're getting a snapshot. But it is a picture of real life of what happens to any one of us when we encounter the love of God in Jesus. When we really experience his presence, we, we know that even in our weakness, he's there and he gives his word to us. Don't be afraid. It's, it's, it's me. I'm here. When you know that you know that you know that no matter what you've done, God is still there with you. And Jesus is going to walk through it with you. It changes your perspective. To me, this is why following Jesus, not just like on Easter and Christmas, but following Jesus day by day is so important. Why? Why? 
a couple of thoughts as I read the Bible, the story, not just the end that we've read, the resurrection, but the whole life of Jesus. A few thoughts. One, we were created for life with God. Why is this so important? It's because it's what we're made for. And I think this is why holding on to things as our hope or people as our hope or our own approach as our hope, it just falls Sure. See, we were made to know God. If you read the first page of the Bible, he makes the whole world and then he makes you and me and he makes us, quote unquote, in his image, in his likeness. You were made by God for God. You were made to walk with him. And the first picture of life is, is the first woman and man, Adam and Eve, walking with God in the cool of the day, doing what they do together. Now, I don't know what it means fully to be made in the image of God, but I do know this. I know you're not God. I know I'm not God. But somehow he wired me in my DNA to connect to him. And this is why I think following Jesus is so important because apart from him, I'm going to be missing the most important thing. It's his presence. It's knowing wisdom, what to do when I confront real life and where to go and how to live and all of these things, everyone has their opinion. Everyone does. And there are all sorts of religions and philosophies. The only thing that falls short with all of them as I see it is they don't go back to the source. See, God alone created us to be with him. And so if I want to know how life's supposed to work, shouldn't I go to the one who made me? And unfortunately, look, I'm just like you. You and I, we throw up a prayer when we're desperate, but for the most part, we rely on ourselves. And we forget God actually wired me to live in active relationship with him. But as I read the Bible story, I realize this. We've walked away. God does not walk away from us. You read early on. It's, it's men and women. We rebel. We ignore God. We do exactly the opposite. Or we just say, look, you don't exist. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want. Forget you. And and that, yeah, that works. God, for some reason, allows us to walk away. Now, if I were God, I'd smash us. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not the kind of God you want. But you read the Bible, you realize God made us. God knows us. And we rebel and rebel and rebel, and it goes from bad to worse. And guess what? He keeps knocking. He keeps Seeking, he keeps looking, he sends messengers, he sends his word, and then he sends his son. And surely they're going to listen to me. And you know what God experiences? That the very men and women that he made ignore him and laugh at him and mock at him. And in the end, punch, kick, and destroy Jesus' body. And all the while, he's saying, forgive them. This, this, is, this is love in ways I don't even, I don't even comprehend. But I do know this, when I walk away, the Bible calls it sin, calls it rebellion, and all of us are infected by it. And let me tell you, it affects everything. It's like poison. I don't have to drink a bucket of arsenic. All I need is a few drops, and they affect every part of my system. And you and I have chosen to walk away from God, and that's the human condition. So I'm not pointing the finger. I'm just saying life the way it really is. I'm just saying the way it is. We do it. Yet... You need to catch this. The story of God is that God's love is calling us back. I want you to hear that. It's, it's, it's not, I'm not calling you back. God is calling us back. All throughout his story, you see him calling, calling, calling. And Jesus is the biggest shout from God. You are welcome. Mary Magdalene caught up by demonic evil powers. I don't even understand that. I just know it's not right. 
And, and she's caught up in it. And Jesus, in a moment, releases her to who she was created to be, full of the life of God. And my friend, no matter where you've been in the story of rebellion and selfishness and sin, whatever you've done, Jesus himself, God himself, is calling you back. So I'll quote the big one that you see on at football games. It's the most quoted verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God's love's calling you back. That whoever believes or trusts in him will never perish but have eternal life. So God never wanted you to live apart from him. He didn't want you to die apart from him. He wants you back. And it's our rebellion that's keeping us from experiencing what he wants to give us. That's his very life and his love and all that we need. Frankly, God knows and God can remedy in ways that no one else can. Verse 17 of John's gospel. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So life with God is a gift that we receive. And I want you to catch this. Mary received this gift. She, she probably wasn't even looking for it, but Jesus comes her way and she's set free. And that's the pattern you see in the Bible. Life with God is a gift, but we need to receive it. So everyone that Jesus comes to, whether they're blind or whether they're deaf or whether they're lame or whether they have evil that's shrouded them up, whatever their situation, he is present, but they need to receive him. They need to receive what he has to offer. They need to receive his presence. And in a very real way, my friend, life, that's truly life, begins when you and I open our, ourselves up and we say, God, you know what? I'm tired of life on my own. I acknowledge you're my creator and you get what I've done and you've actually provided a way. So Jesus, while he was still living, said these words, listen, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word, whoever listens, and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. And then Jesus gives a metaphor. They've crossed over from death into life. And, and so Jesus says to anyone who will receive him, anyone who listens to his truth and says, yes, they've crossed from death into life. Which makes me wonder, what fear has you gripped right now? What seems hopeless? What seems helpless? What is it? You know, because most of the time we can handle X part of our life, but if we're really honest, there are dimensions that we just can't figure out. There are pains we can't get rid of no matter what we do. There are experiences that still affect us, even though they happened decades ago. And if we're honest, we'll all say we're limited in our ability to make things right. But here's the good news. You don't have to. God knows you to the level of your DNA. And God, because he made can remake, and God can make whole what is broken, and God can take those dead things and actually bring them back to life to the point where you could be like Mary in the sense of that she experienced real change, and so she's passionate in her pursuit of following Jesus even when she doesn't understand it. So let me just ask you, if Jesus is alive, and this is really true, where are you right now? Like where, where are you in the spectrum of what it means to relate to him, to know him, to, to follow him? I think that's the greatest phrase I can think of. And it's straight out of the Bible. Jesus told people again and again and again, his most common approach was simply to say, follow me. In other words, trust me, I, I am the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. And I've come to give you life and I came to give you life to the full. And there's an enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy but I'm here, and, and I'm like the gate. 
And I'm like the shepherd. I take care of the sheep. And I'm the light of the world and bring light in the darkness. And Jesus had all of these phrases that speak to what's true. He has what we need because he is what we need. And so Jesus died and rose again to set us free. Let me ask you, where are you on the spectrum? Are you close? See, that's what God made you for. And this Easter reminder and this whole weekend is designed to shake us up a bit from being so caught up in what's going on in our world and to remind ourselves of what matters most. Where am I in relationship and closeness to this God of love, this God who sends his son, this God who, who pays my, my debt in full, this God who offers me eternal life, Jesus who's risen again from the grave. What am I going to do about it? Are you close? Has he changed you? Then this weekend is a reminder, you're still going to go through tough stuff. And many of us are. But guess what? Hope is rising. Because Jesus is alive, you're not alone. And he sent us his very spirit. And the same things Jesus did when he was here, he said, they're now in you. And I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And whatever I've been doing, you're going to be doing. In other words, whatever brokenness was there, Jesus made whole, can still be made whole. Jesus is alive. And so anything and everything is possible. Do you believe that? If you do, then, then this weekend is like a game. You know, it's time to celebrate. We rejoice. We buy new clothes. Don't ask me why we do that. We, you know, we eat good food. We, 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 we like, we're like, this is our day. We believe that Jesus is alive. Okay, let me ask you though, are you, uh, if you're not close, are you far? Do you, for whatever reason, maybe it's just guilt. You know, I think so many of us were just caught up in like, Jose, that sounds great, but you don't understand what I've been. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm doing right now. You don't, you don't know. What I know is if Mary can be set free, so can you. And if Jesus can really heal blind people, he can certainly handle your issue. And if Jesus promised, promised, if anyone hears my words and trusts me, I'm going to give them life that's like lasting now and forever. And it's like you've crossed over from, from death and emptiness to life. If Jesus did that for Mary and he's done that for me, why wouldn't he want to do that for you? And this morning is an invitation not to hear about it, but to step in. Which is why I started with a song. Because songs, like you don't just hear. Songs are meant to be experienced. We step into it. We hold on to it. And it affects us in the way that we live. And so I'm asking you to come. I'm inviting you in Jesus' name to come and live the way God intended. Free from the burden of, of guilt and shame and sin and made alive and new. You say, well, I don't get it all. Neither do I. And I've been in this a long time. What we're called to do is follow. We follow this Jesus and he, he saves us and he sets us free. And then he teaches us and grows us and shapes us, slaps us on the rear at times. Like he, he, he does this. This is love. He's good and he's for you. Today will you receive him this morning? Will you respond to him? I want to give you an opportunity now to take one step. Mary had her opportunity and so did all the people that I mentioned. They had their chance to respond to God's love. And I want you to do something with what you've heard. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you to stand now. We're going to respond and sing. So thanks for being patient and sitting. So as we stand, here's what we get to do. We get to respond by stepping in. Stepping in means singing things that are true. Not just with uh, these are the words, but out of like out of my gut, out of my heart, I can now say, God, 
this is true and I worship you. Just like, just like Mary Magdalene, I am holding on to you. This is your opportunity. But if you're not there yet, it's, it's your opportunity to start. And so I just want to talk for a second to those who feel like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm qualified for this. Jesus qualifies you. He, he, he meets you and he changes you. So, so why not say yes, right? If you feel like you're far, or maybe you were a kid like years ago and you responded to God's love, but you grew up and you kind of grew out of Jesus. I think that's what happens. We get caught up with school and life and money and stuff and we forget that Jesus is to be followed. Then today, you can just say, you know what, Jesus, I'm, I've kind of gone like this, but I'm, I'm coming back to your love and I want to receive your love and get me back in order. I'm going to follow you for real. This morning, I want you to take that one next step that you need to take and follow. Others are going to go to baptism which is the public declaration, I belong to Jesus, and his work is now my life, and I'm going to follow him. So this morning, before we sing, I'm going I'm to invite us to pray. And if, if you're not yet following Jesus, you can, and I want to be helpful. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment, just because I don't, this isn't a chance to look around, and this is a chance to encounter the living God. If you're here and you say, Jose, I really want to follow this Jesus, I, I did years ago, but I got off track, or I've, I've never, I've never said yes to his love. I've never confessed Jesus. I, I've sinned and I've, I've broken everything that's right and true and good. I'm not going to pretend I'm okay. I need you to remake me. Then I'm going to invite you to take one step now. Everyone who hears my word and trusts him who sent me has life. Today you've heard. Now will you put your trust in him? Well, let's, let's pray together. Lord, and if you're ready to respond as love, just pray something like this with me. Lord, I confess that I've sinned before you and I'm not worthy. But Jesus, thank you that you died and rose again so that my sin could be wiped away and that I could be given a new start. Jesus, today, I receive your love, your forgiveness, your mercy. Today, I choose to follow you. 